If you turn to John, the 13th chapter, the first six verses will be our scripture reading this morning. John 13, 1 through 6. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you here, especially those of you that are visiting. Uh, it's our, our privilege that you're here, and we'd like to ask that you will stay around a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you. We're a busy church, and there's a lot of things going on, and I want to call your attention to just a few of those things. Uh, for our parents who have children, fifth grade and down. This afternoon, actually, right after our services in just a little bit, uh, we will be having a, a planning meeting uh, with you to talk about things that we can do for your children and how we can help you. And that will take place back uh, in the, uh, the gym area, the fellowship area. If you will make your way, go down the hallway. Not, do not go through the tea room, if you will. Go down the hallway and make your way uh, to that, the gym area after our services. Uh, also, tomorrow is our opportunity opportunity to feed uh, the Teen Challenge a home-cooked meal. Uh, if you want to help with that, please see Miss Diane Wilkins or Miss Carol Ellison. Also, uh, if you just want to be there and support, uh, maybe you haven't been able to help, but you just want to come and support, uh, that will be down at their facility uh, tomorrow evening. That information is also in the bulletin. For our men, this coming Friday and Saturday is our men retreat. Friday evening and Saturday till about lunch. You will not want to miss it. Uh, there's a lot of good things planned, a lot of opportunities for growth. Uh, we will be challenged uh, by the speaker, uh, but also uh, given hope and encouragement, and we'll have the opportunity to talk about some of those things and how we can apply those to our lives and make our lives better. So be if you're in any of those categories, please make sure you're involved in those things. Uh, of course, with a lot of the other number of things that we have uh, involved in our church family. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John. Uh, chapter 3 we'll be looking at. Uh, following up from uh, John chapter 2, a few weeks ago we looked at when Jesus cleansed the temple. And today we're going to be looking at when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Craig Keener, who once was an atheist, and while he was an atheist, he said, one of, the, one of his unscientific reasons of why he did not believe in Jesus and why he would not follow Jesus is because in his estimation, the majority of the people who claimed to be Christians acted like Jesus made no difference in their daily lives. 
Let that sink in just for a moment. Isn't it sad that that would be said of Christians? He said, for years I reasoned that if I really believed that there was truly a being to whom I owed my existence to, and who alone determines my eternal destiny, if I really believed that, then I would serve Him unreservedly. Did you get what Keener was saying? In the words of Kyle Eidelman, he said that he was saying he believed that there were a lots, lots of people who claimed to be Christians, that they were really fans of Him, but they're not truly followers of Jesus. And there's a difference. Our lesson today is about a change of heart that leads to a change of life. And that was the challenge for Nicodemus and all who heard Jesus and was in His presence. You see, if we truly believed that God is the Creator, the Giver and the Sustainer of life, if we really believed that we were created by Him as living souls, and that there is a heaven and a hell, as Matthew chapter 10 says there is, if we really believed that we are sinners and sin separated us from God, and if we really believe that Jesus came to this earth, He lived a sinless life, He made atonement for our sins, He died on the cross for the, to save us from our sins. If we really believe that, wouldn't we be serious about following Jesus? You see, we know that the reality is that's not always the case, is it? Many people claim to be Christians, yet they're not really living seriously the Christian life. There are many claiming to be fans, believers, but they're just fans and not committed. You know, that wasn't the case, always the case either, in John chapter 2 and John chapter 3. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, serves as a bridge from when Jesus cleansed the temple in chapter 2 and to when Nicodemus would come to him in chapter 3. And I want you to notice what he says. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name. When they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You see, John reveals to us that, that Jesus, he knows the hearts of all men. He knows the motives of man. He knows what's in man's heart. And did you catch what he said in verses 23 and 24? They believed Him, the followers. They believed in Jesus because of the signs that He did. But in verse 24, He says, but Jesus did not commit Himself to them. You see, that's the same Greek word in verse 24 for commit as it is in verse 23 for believed. In other words, they believed Jesus, but Jesus did not believe in them. Jesus knew because He could see in their heart...
knew their heart. Jesus knew why they were following Him. Jesus knew that the only reason they were there, the only reason they believed, was because of the signs. And that they were not truly committed to Him. Notice what one commentator said, Although many claim to believe... Jesus knew that mere intellectual assent proves nothing. Even demons have such faith, James chapter 2. Like the seed that fell on rocky and thorny ground, those who possess such faith hear the word and initially receive it with joy, Matthew chapter 13. But because their hearts are never truly changed, they fall away when their afflictions come. Or when worldly riches beckon, Jesus did not embrace the false faith manifested by those who witnessed His signs. Do you remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 16? Do you remember when God comes to Samuel and He says, Listen, I'm no longer going to be with Saul. I have another that I want to be anointed as king. And so He sent Samuel down to the house of Jesse. And he gets down there and when he consecrates and anoints Jesse's house... Jesse begins bringing his sons, and the oldest one, Eliab, comes. Oh, man, and he looked like a king. For Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Don't you know Samuel was blown away by the response of the Lord, of God, in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, for this is what God said. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus saw in in these people a superficial facade. They were outwardly attracted to Him, but inwardly they were not ready to commit to Him. And you see, that's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants surrendered hearts to Him. He wants followers, like it says in Colossians chapter 3, who are wholeheartedly committed to Him. And so John introduces us to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And he gives us some insight into who this man Nicodemus was. First of all, he says he's a Pharisee. He's of that elite religious group who call themselves the separated ones. Now they believe they were the separated ones because of their zeal for keeping the Mosaic law and their zeal for keeping all these oral laws that they had added to the Mosaic law. He was a Pharisee. John says he was a ruler of the Jews, which indicated that he had been elevated to a position of leadership among his people. Likely also a member of that Jewish governing body, the Sanhedrin Council. And John says he's a Pharisee, he's a leader of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night. Now there's a number of reasons why he came to Jesus by night. It may have been that Nicodemus feared all of his other contemporaries, all of these other Jewish leaders. Or it may have been that was the only time that he and Jesus could have uninterrupted time. It may have been that Nicodemus wanted to get to know Jesus a little bit more before he publicly committed for Jesus or against Jesus. 
You see, whatever the reason is, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that He came to Jesus. That's the important thing. Nicodemus refers to Jesus as rabbi, teacher, a title of honor and respect. He admits to him, listen, these signs that you do, we know that unless you are from God, no one can do these signs. You must be from God. We know that. But Nicodemus believed in Jesus. But the question that Nicodemus had to answer is, are you serious about Jesus? Are you ready to fully commit to Him? Jesus asked Nicodemus. He says to him in verse 3, Most surely, your version may say, Truly, truly, or verily, verily. He, he's saying that what I am about to say to you is worthy of your attention. Most surely, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did you notice that Nicodemus had not even asked the question? He didn't ask Jesus a question. But in John chapter 2, verses 23 and following, the Bible tells us that Jesus knew, knew their heart and He could look into the heart of Nicodemus. I dare say He knows our heart today. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he is old. Can he enter a second time into his mother's room? Nicodemus was not... He was not crazy. Nicodemus was well studied. Nicodemus likely knew this is not what Jesus is talking about. But he's confused. What are you really talking about, Jesus? Because I know this can't be the case. And Jesus says again, most assuredly, listen to what I'm saying. This... This demands your attention. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. One commentator said this, The figure of being born again is a striking one and expresses the dramatic change that must characterize anyone who would be Jesus' disciple. Christ's purpose, however, was not to outline the conditions of discipleship. After the church was established, no one was ever told to be born again to become a Christian. Instead, honest inquirers were told to believe, repent, and be baptized. Acts chapter 2, 37, 38, Acts chapter 27 and 16 and others. Peter later pointed out to Christians that when they obeyed these commands, they were born again. 1 Peter 1, 22 and following. It was a heavenly kingdom entered by a heavenly rebirth. A change of character. It was not a kingdom marked by the marching of human armies, but one characterized by the working of God's Spirit. Jesus, knowing His heart, says to Nicodemus, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must follow up your belief with a commitment that requires obedience to be reborn, declaring your surrender to Jesus Christ as king and not rule-keeping and rituals. The well-known evangelical preacher, Francis Chan, 
You can find this on YouTube, by the way. Given a follow-up lesson that he had done about the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, he speaks about baptism. He speaks about rebirth. And he said, he said after he gave that lesson, he received several emails, phone calls, and letters saying, it seemed like you were saying that I have to repent and then be baptized and then receive the Holy Spirit. He said people were asking, do I really have to be baptized to be a Christian? And several other questions. And he said, I want to answer this question with a question. Why do you ask? Because they didn't in Acts chapter 2. When they heard that Jesus had died on the cross for their sins, their response to the gospel message was, What must we do? And Peter says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? They didn't ask a bunch of questions after that, he said. They did what he said for them to do, and that was it. And Jesus is reminding Nicodemus not so much that it's about getting into the water, but it's about a change of heart that creates a change of life. Jesus would go on to continue, verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We cannot see the wind, but we can see the effects of the wind, right? And he says the same is, the, is that of the Spirit. We can see the effects of the Spirit in the lives of God's people who have wholeheartedly committed to him. Paul would say it this way. Notice it, Galatians chapter 5. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Imagine what must have been going through the mind of Nicodemus. Nicodemus had been so diligent to keep the law all of his life. So diligent to follow the, the traditions and rituals of the Jewish people. He had joined that very religious group of the Pharisees. He had been elevated to a position of leadership and added to that governing body, the Sanhedrin Council. And now Jesus comes along and says, I want you to forsake all of that. I want you to lay all of that aside and I want you to start over. I 
want you to forget everything you've ever known and believed and were committed to, and I want you to lay that down, and I want you to surrender and commit to me. And Nicodemus responds in verse 9, How can these things be? How can I do it? How can I lay all that aside and start over? He admitted, Lord, unless you are from God, no one can do the things that you've been doing. But it was still difficult for him to lay all that aside. Everything he had ever learned, everything he had ever lived, believed, and been committed to, it was still difficult for him to lay that aside. But Jesus expected him to know that. For in verse 10, Jesus said, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? But Jesus, in a sense, is saying to him, Nicodemus, you ought to know these things. These are not hard things. These are things you should already know. So what's the point? What's the point for Nicodemus? And what's the point for us? Here's the point. Nicodemus, the Lord knows your heart. Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom of God like you have done the kingdom of Israel by just simply being physically born into it. You can't enter the kingdom of God by just following laws and rules and keeping rituals and works righteousness like most of the Pharisees did. The Lord wants your belief in Him, Nicodemus, to lead to a surrendered, committed, serious follower of Jesus. He wants you to be all in. And by going through that act of being reborn, you publicly declare. You see, Nicodemus may have been deciding, see, am I ready to publicly declare that? You have to publicly declare, I'm dying to that old life. Everything I ever believed and were committed to, I'm dying because now I believe in, I'm committed to, and I'm surrendering to You, Lord. So what's the point for us? The point for us is the Lord knows our heart. The Lord can look past... our physical appearance and he can see our heart. He, he wants more than just saying the right things and doing the right things. He wants our heart. He wants our full surrender. He wants our commitment to him. He wants us to take that serious. When we leave this building, he wants to see that in our life. This morning in our Bible class, we talked about uh, how our culture lulls us to believe into we have to live the American dream. But God calls us to not dream, not live the American dream, but to live the Christian life and to be serious about it. You see, there's some things we have. 
admit when it comes to following Jesus. We have to admit our own inadequacies. We have to admit that I need you, Lord. I can't do it without you. We have to be willing to make a change of life. We have to be willing to give up our old life and our old selves and be reborn again in the Spirit through faith and obedience in water baptism, making Jesus King of our life. Bruce Larson tells a story about how he helps and counsels individuals who are struggling to surrender to Jesus. For many years, he says, he worked in New York City and in his office as he counseled people, he would take those people out of his building and he would walk down the street to the RCA building on 5th Avenue. And in that entrance was a statue of this beautifully crafted man named Atlas holding up the globe, the world. And he would say to those individuals, he said, hear this, this strong specimen of an individual that is crafted here, holding up this world, as strong as he is, he seems like he's taking every ounce of being that he has to hold up this world. And then he would take them and walk them across the street. to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And in St. Patrick's Cathedral, there behind the altar, he says, there's a little shrine of the boy Jesus, perhaps eight or nine years old, and with no effort, he is holding the world in one hand. And he says when he tells that story, his point is illustrated graphically. You see, we have a choice to make. When it comes down to it, every one of us has a choice to make. Do we want to be holding the world on our shoulders, about to give way, or do we want to turn our world and our lives over to Jesus who can hold it in His hand? You see, Nicodemus had a decision to make in John chapter 3. He had a decision to make. I believe... In you, Jesus. And I believe because all these things you're doing, there's no way anyone can do those unless they are from God. And Jesus says, But are you serious, Nicodemus? Are you serious about following me? Because if you are, then it takes a true commitment. Then it takes a true surrender. Because if you're serious, Nicodemus, about following me, I want your heart. I want your life. Can you accept it, Nicodemus? Can we accept that truth today? And can we lovingly share that with others and call others to accept that as well? Jesus said some difficult things. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, you remember what He said? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. That's a death. And follow me. 
There's one thing Jesus never did. Jesus never called people to follow Him and said, Hey, guys, guess what? Hey, come follow me. It's like the American dream. Everything's going to be great. You give your life to me and I'm telling you, everything's going to be great. I'll give you your heart's desires. You'll have the job you want. You'll have the house you want. You'll have the family you want. You'll have the cars you want. You'll have the clothes you want. You see, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said to Nicodemus and everyone else after that He called, You see, if you want to, call, if you want to follow Me, it costs. The reason it costs is because I'm here to tell you it costs God because I've given my life for you. Will you come to Jesus today? Will you share that message with some others? Maybe you're just here today and maybe you've lost your conviction and you need to be renewed and you need to recommit. Maybe it is you just need us to pray with you about some heavy burdens that are going on in your life. We stand here willing and ready to help you any way we can as together we stand and sing.